Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. What's creativity to you? How can someone listening to this become a master of creativity? How do we pull ourselves out of the choices that have been made for us all our lives? Go to school, get this job, be a lawyer, retire. How do we get out of that and be creative? Go deeper. Go deeper into what you feel, what you dream, what you know. You have to do it. No one can tell you how. We're all creative. We all have it. It's a matter of us being given confidence in expressing it. When you search with a certain honesty inside of yourself, what does this mean? What am I passionate about? What is it that's making me so sad? What am I? It's a question you have to ask yourself over and over again to find your bliss, the thing that makes you happy. There's a hymn called, You Got to Walk That Lonesome Valley. You Got to Go There for Yourself. Nobody else can go there for you. But you have to look for it. And if you don't look for it, you're not going to find it. I can't believe I have Wynton Marsalis on the podcast, perhaps the best and well-known jazz musician ever, although maybe you won't. You'll be humble and won't admit to that. I don't know. No, that's not, you know. No, but I'm happy to to be known. I don't, yeah. you know, the, the, the cast, Louis Armstrong and Duke and all of them, great. I, I, I love them, and I don't, I don't put myself uh, in competition with, with myself, with my own, my own people, I'm happy to be in that line. Well, well, it's it, that's a very interesting way to put it because uh, you are in that line, and I think particularly with music, every generation learns and feeds off of the generation before that. And I think um, you know we've seen that in every form of music, but in in jazz, you've even commented. And we're we're going to get into a lot of things, but you've even commented how um, sophistication in jazz. Um, is when improvisation is as good as could be as good as the final composition. I feel that's the, right. how the next generation grows. Right, right. And you've talked about it in the context of Louis Armstrong, for instance. Right. He taught he taught us ways to improvise that were logical. So then all the trumpet players picked up on it. Musicians. Duke Ellington once said he wanted to have Louis Armstrong on every record. He taught us how to play with a certain type of freedom and feeling, and to be natural in our feeling, and to play our instruments as if it were, were as if it was a voice, because an instrument is a is a is a machine. And it's hard to make metal bend and do the things that Louis Armstrong could do. But after him, the entire lineage of trumpet playing changed as he was in the line before him, not just the jazz trumpet players. America had a whole tradition of great cornetists uh, of, of different races. One guy in, in Philadelphia, Francis Johnson, was unbelievable cornetist in the early years. Then Ned Kendall, Francis Johnson was a black guy, and Ned Kendall was white. And um, Patrick Gilmore, it's a, long, it's a line that leads to Louis Armstrong through the 19th century. And then... Uh, in the 20th century, all of us who have played, 
uh, after Louis Armstrong, we've incorporated his things, and uh, that, that's how we have progress in 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 the arts. Not just in, in we we think of it as science and technology, but the arts are different. Well, well, and 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 jazz is a little different in the sense that. Uh, and this this is so related to things you've written in your career. So I just want to just say you've you've made over eighty albums. You've sold over seven million records. You've won nine Grammys, which is unbelievable. You've won the Pulitzer Prize uh, in music, and you can say this was the first Pulitzer Prize in jazz for your work. And that in itself is interesting about American culture because the Pulitzer Prize in music kind of required a score, a written score to be submitted. But with jazz, there's kind of these improvisational aspects. It's a, it's, it's a, a much more multidimensional art form than a straight score that needs to be played. And this was kind of a, almost, I don't want to say controversial, but it was an issue and still is in, in, in awards for written music pieces. Right, well, uh, the awards, the Pulitzer board changed it, the requirements. Now you can have improvisation, you can send in tapes. And that's, that's kind of what we do. We don't start off with, with things that are perfect. We work on them, and they take time. Many times, because we have a lifetime, we tend to think in terms of whatever we conceive of that span of time, 70 years, we think, oh, it's a long time. But maybe things happen in the span of a 1,000 years, or maybe they happen in, it's like I always like to think of people who started to work on a cathedral that was going to be finished in 340 years. So you spent your entire life working on a wall, and maybe you might see half of that wall or a quarter, but it's a belief in in a in something that is that extends far past you. And where, and where do you see yourself? What 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 wall are you working on? And what do you see that is is the is the greater cathedral? You know, before and after you. You know, I believe in democracy. Like I believe in bringing people together and being symbiotic without being predatory. I, I don't understand. Like democracy means you and I. Like I can feel you wanting to talk when I'm talking. It's natural, but you're listening to me, but I can feel you. So I have a choice. I can keep talking. I can make the space for you to talk because you're going to say something interesting. You may say something I agree with. I may not agree with it, but you don't have to say the same thing I'm saying for you and I to participate in a dialogue. As a matter of fact, many times if we have differing opinions and views, we have a richer dialogue and we can come to something with each other if we believe in a democratic exchange of ideas. If I don't believe in that, if I'm more predatory, I don't want you to speak. Oh my God, Winton, you're opening up a whole can that we could speak five hours about. I want to speak about creativity, though, because I think I think creativity is a language and improvisation right. is a language, and you and you've studied obviously jazz is your whole life has been about developing your creativity. Maybe before before you get me on the political route, what's creativity to you? How can someone listening to this become a master of creativity? You know, we're all creative. So in jazz, we have three uh, basic fundamentals. The first in jazz is improvisation, which it teaches you to love yourself. So tell, the first tell me, rung tell of, me what that means. It means that you have something you can do. What is that thing? It doesn't start by telling you you can't do anything and do what we say to do. It says, what can you do? You might have one note you can bend, or you might have a certain type of sound. You might have a vibrato. I once asked my father, if if everybody when I when I was became known for playing classical music, I said, "Man, do you think that I have too much of a classical sound? Like I don't have a jazz sound." It was being written over and over again, and he said, "Man, what is a jazz sound? There's no such thing as a jazz sound." And you know, the fact that you studied classical music, I think, allowed you to bring elements of that back into your 
you you you've transformed jazz because you you were able to introduce the vocabulary of classical music back into jazz, even though it was already there. You had right. brought it to another level. Yeah, it's already there, and I mean, it doesn't. It didn't need me to do that, but it's a part of my overall education. So, so, so was, to some extent, would you say some of your creativity later on is this melding of ideas and and musicians and classical and jazz and so on? Yeah, the creativity is not is not a. The creativity can be expressed in an art form, but it can also be expressed in dress, like the way you do your hair. That's creative. Okay, I was teasing you about it, but it's great. It's, I just get out of bed and don't do anything. And you don't, well, <laughs> it, it lays a certain way. You know, you don't feel the need to make it be like everything else. Uh, it could be the way you dress. It could be your home, the way it's decorated. It could be the clothes that you choose to wear. It could be the way you, way you speak the language, your, your, your style of humor, the type of glasses you wear. We're creative in everything that we do. It's a gift. When we look around, I always do an exercise with, with my students, where I say, let's look around this room and let's look at every example of creativity. We got Romare Bearden, we have these screens, we have outlets, we have the design of the room, we have a piano sitting here, we have microphones, we have the, the computer that you have, we have this album. Everything we look at, some person designed it and some creativity was a part of it. So first is to embrace your creativity, then to embrace the range of human creativity, which is endless. And mm. so the improvisation... So to constantly acknowledge all the creative things around helps you to maybe focus. bring aspects of that creativity into your own creativity. Right, to focus your own. So you focus your own first and you accept yourself. So jazz is a great tool if for nothing else than to escape. You'll be able to escape people saying, you're like my cousin Charles, or you're like, or you would be okay if you were like. It doesn't require you to be like other people to be okay. But, but well, I, I, I really want to understand further though to liking yourself, the relationship between that and creativity. And I understand it because there's some confidence in yourself that has to come out, but... So often people say, oh, just be yourself on stage and you know, just be yourself when you're doing your music and improv. But what does that mean? How do you cultivate that? How do you be yourself? That means that the things that you, that the things that you have that are natural to you, the dreams you have, the ideas that you have that may not be, it, it may not be co-signed by everyone else. It may not be accepted. There are things that, that you have. Don't discard those things because you're criticized. Right, and we were told, and you've written about this even in your, your classic 1992 article on on what is jazz in in the Times. You've written about this that are we're, we're kind of given. I'm I'm gonna say it in a different way. But we're kind of given these choices as we as we grow up, and creativity is sort of like our way out of these choices. Maybe right. you can expand we, and, on that a little. The, the first thing is that we are creative. So any, everyone is creative. It's not like creativity was given. Sometimes there's a company say, well, those are creatives. I always have to laugh at that. Some people have more ideas than others on certain subjects, but we all are creative. So that's number one, embrace what is yours. Number two is, is understand other people are creative and develop a symbiotic relationship with them instead of a competitive predatory relationship. Competition is not always predatory. Competition can be very healthy. You can recognize, wow, that's a great idea. You can, you can even have a, 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 a bit of envy, like, I wish I could do that. Let me figure out how to do this. So I could combine this with, but when it's predatory, you seek to destroy something that is creative or something that is not threatening you. So you create a threat. Oh, that's, that's this, that this person is that. You invent some narrative that has nothing to do with reality. And then you live in that narrative. Nations largely do this, but human beings do it also. So symbiotic might be, like for example, a great example when you, we're studying classical, but you already knew jazz and the elements of, of jazz, and you're able to kind of bring elements of the two together. Figure out what do these things have in common. The root of Afro-American music is Anglo-Celtic music. 
Oh, I didn't know that. That's what it is. They were playing playing Irish jigs. They were doing English country dances, men and women dancing together. Now, it has also an African sensibility, and that sensibility is applied to the Anglo-Celtic root. They're speaking English. They're, they're doing couplets when they're rhyming. They're doing all things that come out of English sensibility. That's the reality of it. A false tribalism has forced us into a belief in continents, into races, into this. These things are not true. They're constructions. But when you live in accordance to a construction, what do you do when you realize it's not real? The DNA has told us it's not real. The science is tearing all of this stuff apart. It's saying, hey, there's no such thing as Asia and Europe. There's Eurasia. It's one continent. But are we going to discard all of what we believe? There's no such these, you know, we, we found these people in East Africa. This is where people come from. They're these, these kind of genetic characteristics. They come from here. What are we going to do? Discard all of the narratives, false narratives that we've been taught and lived by in order to place ourselves in opposition to other people who actually are part of the same family tree we're a part of, it's difficult for us to make adjustments. With When we are irrational, it's hard for us to make rational adjustments to the irrational. That's why it was hard when they said, well, what, that's why Galileo and Copernicus, they had to, there was always strife around so, them saying, Sorry, yeah, I, no, no. I, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm saying a point that you actually, you know, what I'm about to say. So, so how do we train our brains so that a lot of it has to do with pulling ourselves almost out of the matrix? Like, That's how right. do we pull ourselves out of the choices that have been made for us all our lives? That's go, right. go to school, get this job, be a lawyer, right. retire. Like, how do we get out of that and be creative? Go deeper. Go deeper into what you feel, what how? you dream, what you know. You have to do it. You can't. No one can tell you how. Like I tell you, how can I ride a bike? Okay, you can you can walk with me, but you have to you have to get on this bike. You might fall. How can I swim? You have to get in the water and swim. Some things you can't tell a person. How can I make love? What am I going to tell you? You got to. How can I dance? Get out there. So the belief in yourself and in your creativity and the respect for other people's creativity, and then the acceptance that things don't always go right. They don't go well. It's not always fair. Sometimes it's just what it is. That's what we call the blues. Well, well, and I want to ask about that. So. You live your life according to these philosophies you have about jazz and about blues. You said something very intriguing, and you've said it many times that blues is, uh, you know, gratitude and good manners uh, combined with persistent optimism. So I never thought of the blues as uh, associating the words good manners with that. Well, but just because somebody is singing about a broken heart or somebody who met doesn't mean they're. Any type, they have any type of pathology. There's a thought the blues of somebody singing, ah, in a kind of raspy voice, I went down to the, okay, Howlin' Wolf and a couple of people had those type of voices. But a lot of times the blues musicians' voices are very clear. Robert Johnson has a very high-pitched kind of clear voice. And uh, all of us have sang the blues. It's not just Afro-American musicians, not just Mississippi musicians. It's a, the birth of an aspect of it is in the Delta. But it's, it's part of our, our mutual heritage. People singing it in Texas. They were singing in North Carolina, you know, North Carolina Ramblers, Charlie Poole, wherever we have a history that is integrated, but the need to be tribal makes people want to say, well, this is mine, or white people came up with this, or black people, or black music, white music. But the fact of it is, is the music comes from so deep in the soul, and it's so universal, and stretches so far back into the human consciousness that no one can own it. Where's the pentatonic scale come from? Is it Eastern? We okay with, with Eastern musics, but African musicians playing pentatonic scales. Does that mean nobody else but them can play that scale? And uh, what all around us is the refutation of that which we believe. But we will force reality into the, the cage and the box that we want it to be in. 
And uh, so, in terms of living your life, though, like the blues, and and by the way, your your points about music is great because look at like the the Beatles, Rolling Stone, and Led Zeppelin. That's totally the blues. But in terms of living your life, like the blues, gratitude and good manners combined with persistent optimism. How do how do you live a blues life uh, with that beauty? Well, with the, that with know, those words. Well, the blues aesthetic first is based on on perceiving reality, and that's painful. You know, let's let's take it out of any type of political or social or racial context. Uh, the woman I love left with my best friend. Some joker got lucky, stole his woman back again. Now, was he stealing his woman back again? He's a joker. Or did you steal his woman? Did you steal your woman back again? You better come on in my kitchen. It's going to be raining outdoors. So they're not telling you a happy story. Maybe. So when you combine that with the singer, say the woman I love. Left with my best friend. Some joker got lucky. Stole his woman back again. You better come on in my kitchen. It's gonna be raining outdoors. Well, first it's raining outdoors. So it's not, I'm not describing the sun is not shining, but you better come on in my kitchen. So the blues has a complexity. Human, human beings, we're paradoxical. You know, we, we are... We, we have all of the elements which we consider good, bad, right, wrong. We have all of those elements within us. We love ourselves and we hate ourselves. We love other people and we hate other people. We have that all in us. It's not one or the other. And these things are always, they're going back and forth like the swing is a, a to and fro motion. It's not in one direction. It goes from side to side. It's like waves in an ocean. It's, and uh, the blues, to, to live in a blues aesthetic means that you are nimble. It means that you accept tragedy, but you're not defeated by it. And that you continue to pursue the blues aesthetic. And you continue, continue to pursue the type of optimism that is informed with tragedy. So your conclusion is always the happy ending, even though you can see it don't look like it's going to be that. And, and there's the good manners in that. We're all going through it. Hey, come on inside, even yeah. though it's raining yeah. outside. Well, that's also a Southern thing. You know, people dress a certain way. They talk. They were saying, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Uh, people mannerly. Some of the wildest people would be some of the most mannerly in terms of when you would meet them. You know, another thing that you've said that I thought was very interesting about creativity is that often people confuse complexity with creativity, but often the best creativity is just simple, the, the, the simplest work possible. That's right. That's always the hardest to say That's something right. in three words. I can't do it, That's obviously. Right. No, man. As you know, I'm 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 a put I'm a I'm a cook with this olive oil. <laughs> People come up with all kinds of stuff. You know, we could make wine out of this, and it's not a. Uh, we we are creative, and and you've had creativity in many kitchens. Some people speaking, like I was saying before, it it is not. It is mysterious because it's in the realm of the invisible, but it's it's. But though even though it is mysterious, it's very real. And the more you think about it, and the more you concentrate on it, the more you prize it, and the more you notice it, you will notice how much of it there is here. And there's nothing to be afraid of just because it's in someone else. So you're talking about in terms of to get to that point of genius where your your solutions almost seem so simple, you have to really know all the tools, all the micro skills, all the micro talents required. Well, that's, I mean, you, when you start to talk about genius kind of in an artistic sense, that's just people who are willing to sacrifice to a certain level, like somebody like Johann Bach comes to mind. He was just sacrificing. 
is willing to sacrifice. Just, and you too. I mean, you've been well, you've kidding. been a musician since you were seven years old. You've been a musician for fifty years. You know, I love I love music. I'm serious about it. But no, nobody can be compared to him. Like we have, we have kind of titans in music, and they write like Bach has unbelievable output. And part of of a symbiotic thought is you don't have to be that. He's that. He represents you also. When you start to look at people as a representative, like if if we were once in a, in our in our in a band rehearsal, we were talking about our trumpet section. And, and a person, a, a great friend of ours, who, who's from Memphis, Tennessee, wrote a, a piece based on Stuart Davis's artwork that required a kind of gospel trumpet solo. So, uh, uh, guy grew up in the church, so he put it in my part. I went to play it, but the trumpet player in our, our section who would play it better would be Marcus Printer. So I played it one time, and, and Kat started to kind of laugh. I said, I think Marcus would be better at playing that. We all knew he would be. So I said, you, you should probably play this part, Marcus. So, so Marcus took the part, and they continued to laugh. Oh, yeah, the great. And Marcus said, well, we all have something we can play. If you put the four of us together, we're four trumpets. If you put the four of us together, you have one great trumpet player. And that's how you don't need to pit one against the other. We're all sitting back here together. One of us will be able to cover something, and all four of us together, man, we're going to cover a lot of ground. Think about the world in that way. If you could collaborate with the world instead of wanting to defeat the world. How much creativity is there in China? Okay, you have, you have different belief systems. It causes friction. But what if you prized collaboration? You didn't have to see your way of looking at the world be the only way. Because first, it's not the only way. It's, it is not the only way. Those ways exist. Right. Maybe you can get your military together and you can try to dominate and kill every. The closest person, the closest anyone ever came to that was Genghis Khan. If you want that type of legacy, okay, maybe you can unify the world in that way. It's much easier to collaborate. Well, and, and you, uh, in, as part of your principles of life, being relating to jazz, uh, your principle in swing is this type of creative collaboration. Right. That that's a way you live your life always, is to kind of go into a situation and see how can I collaborate here. And look at what you just described. You just described a piece where it's someone else's song with a gospel twist, you know, taking a jazz look at it. You're combining, you're collaborating all these styles. And it seems like that's like at the essence of creativity is learn all of these different skill sets so you can figure out the right way to speak those languages. Yeah, see the things that it has in common. Look look in the, in the other way. What do we have in common? And many of the greatest innovations we have are, are integration. First of all, a human being is the integration of a man and a woman. A, new, a baby comes up, is born, that person is the integration of two people. It's the orchestration of the love or, the, or whatever it is of the two people. That it, it's that combination. And this goes to food that you might like. Uh, or, uh, you could take your pick. People put things together and they see, hey, I can use this in here and I'll put this together like this and then this thing will be successful. And uh, languages are that way. All art forms are like that. Well, sure. Look at food is a great example. You're from New Orleans. Yeah. So there's that kind of French influence combined Apple. with Cajun yeah. uh, influence. New Orleans is totally a, a hybrid and right. then created its own art form in food. Afro-French-Caribbean. You know, you got the African influence with the kind of gumbo and that way of, of, of dealing with foods and the spices. You got the French way of dealing with sauces and the kind of approach to foods. And you have the whole kind of Caribbean flavor. Uh, all together because th that's what those people were. They were they, they were a lot of different people coming together. In a strange way in New Orleans, when after the Louisiana Purchase, the French in New Orleans started trying to seek more and more French people, ask Haitians to come. Nobody wanted Haitians to come because their slaves were 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 not uh were not weren't culturized to the point that they just would go along with whatever happened. They were known to be want to be free. 
But New Orleans people accepted them because they didn't want to become so Americanized that they had to have strict slavery and strict segregation and stop Congo Square and all the things that we now love about the city. When the, after Louisiana Purchase, Americans, we came in and started to restrict all of those things. You see, so it, it, we, we, have a very, we, have a, we have a complicated story and the story is made more complicated by the fact of freedom, whether it's granted or not, whether people fight for it or not the fact that it is a credo, whereas in many other places that wasn't, we dominate you, we kill you, we enslave you, we have, uh, we have uh, concubinism, we, we bring your women, we, we do what we want to do, we take all your goods, we make you work for us. This is our empire, and that's been all empires, Julia, uh, Roman Empire, Egyptian, the British Empire. The question for America is, do, do we want to be an empire? Wait, so, so, so this is the question for you. What, is, what does freedom really mean? Freedom means that you, you, you have the right and the ability to define the world of your choosing. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or two hundred different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I love. I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I of course the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income? by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love you know turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. 
this is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of Entertainment at NBC or whatever? So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely got to use HIMS for now. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See Hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Let's say someone's listening to this and they feel like, okay, politically, I get it, but I've been, I'm, I'm kind of miserable living this life that I've been living. I, I followed all the choices of my parents and teachers and bosses and so on. What would you tell that person who didn't grow up in a family of musicians or artists? He's just been making these decisions. How can they find freedom? Go deeper inside yourself. Because the freedom, it means different things to different people. And the only thing about a freedom is if, Sometimes we discover a freedom that means somebody else has to be a slave. <laughs> like it's not, it is not simple equations. But I, I find that we each have a passion and a thing that we know and we feel. How do we find it? You have to find it. You have to look for it to find it. Sometimes you're just reaching in there. No one can tell you how to find it. You have to just, you have to have that type of trust and faith to read. It's kind of like in, in trumpet playing, we have something called a long tone. 
you just pull. It's the most boring exercise in the world. And you hold a note. For, try to hold each note. I, I, I normally say a minute. And you play. You try to get the biggest sound at the softest volume. So you try to play as softly as you can play, but with the most power. Now, when you play that note, you're just searching for something. What are you searching for? You're just something, a sound. Maybe over five. Sounds meditative. Yeah, maybe it's like a meditation, but maybe over five years you get better. Mm. Are you gonna get better in a week? Are you gonna see? It's not like you lift weights in a month. You have muscles. You see, hey, I, I stop eating this. I'm, I'm. It's not. That's not that type of exercise. These things that have to do with the mind, the imagination, people coming together, com- complex issues, they take a while for you searching. But when you search with a certain honesty inside of yourself, what does this mean? What do I like to do? What am I passionate about? What is it that's making me so sad? What am I? It's a question you have to ask yourself over and over again to find your bliss, the thing that makes you happy, the thing that you want to, and only you can go to. It's like there's a, there's a hymn called, you got to walk that lonesome valley. You got to go there for yourself. Nobody else can go there for you. You, but you have to look for it. And if you don't look for it, you're not going to find it. I mean, you came out of, uh, to some extent, and this, this is related, you came out to some extent with a very uh, gospel influence as well. And, you know, what's the role of, of faith and God in your music and creativity right now? Well, I was not a religious person when I grew up. You know, my mother was, was Catholic. New, like kind of New Orleans has black Catholics. I didn't like the the church. We, it was one church was segregated. I mean, it was it wasn't segregated in fact, but the pe- black people all sat on the left side. I wasn't gonna go to that. And being from my generation, I'll go to kind of black Catholic church. It was okay. I'll go to gospel churches with my friend who played organ. I would play, kind of play play gigs with him. But I I believed in more of the spiritual element of it. I like to study and read the Bible stories. I was into it from a scholarship standpoint, even as a kid. I love the thought of redemption through sacrifice. I love the stories in the Old Testament, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve. Sometimes I would notice inconsistencies in the stories. So when I would bring them up in class, it always created like a lot of, a lot of problems, like uh, just basic things that seem fundamental. Like how could a person take a vow of poverty, but their church take a vow of wealth, right? Just fundamental things that a kid could see. But, but again, I think those questions whether there's an answer or not could lead to creativity, could lead to, to yeah, exploration. Qu- questioning, being, being, uh, exploring things, having your mind, being encouraged. I, I mean, I was lucky just being with my father. He's, he's such a creative person. He so much believed in you dealing with your thing. He wasn't going to put a straight jacket on you. Even my mother was more probably traditional him in terms of staying on top of you about doing what you're supposed to do. She also was extremely creative and insightful from a spiritual standpoint. And uh, it was interesting, when I graduated from high school, I, I had a contentious kind of relationship with my, with my mother, so we're always fighting. So the day I graduated from high school, I left home. When I was walking out the door, I had all my clothes in a box. I had clothes in a boom box and some cassettes. And before I walked out the door, my father looked at me and he said, he said, he said is that all your stuff in that box? I said, yeah. He said, are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm all right, man. He said, is that all your stuff? And I was leaving kind of, you know, y'all not going to see me again. I said, I said, yeah, that's all my stuff. He said, what you got in there? I said, you know, three jeans, some shirts, a boom box, and such and such. He said, yeah, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. He said, just remember, you can always go back to three jeans, three shirts, a t-shirt, blah, 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 and a boom box, and you're okay. He gave me a book, and that book was Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda. Now, I'm book. telling you, all the years of living with my father, going to gigs with him, being with him, he never one time mentioned anything about yogi, yoga. Eastern religion, not, not one time. But he gave me that book and said, read this book. So a lot of stuff, and I read it. And it was interesting on my, on my train ride to where I was going, I read that book. 
and I was going up to uh, to Boston. I, I was eventually I ended up at, at going to Tanglewood, but it, it was a long ride. And I, and I read it, and I thought, man, why would he give me a book like this? We never discussed anything like that. And that's kind of his philosophy as a jazz musician. Also, my father's a jazz musician. In the time of segregation, we grew up in segregation. You never saw black and white people together. My father always had white friends and people he knew because they were jazz musicians. They had a common interest. They treated each other like people. They didn't have the same prejudice. And even though we were not jazz fans, we noticed that that was a major difference. In our neighborhood, if a white person would come to your house, people would say, man, are y'all in trouble? Did something happen? But my father's friends or somebody he knew that was a jazz musician, they had a totally different kind of social environment that, that, that they grew up in, in, in an a, a ethic and code that they lived by, even though they weren't popular, people didn't love their music. It was something in their music that moved them to have that type of feeling toward each other. So it seems like, like you gave that exercise in the beginning, look around and see what's creative in here. And if you combine that with this idea that, okay, learn as many um, learn many disciplines. Like here, you know, your dad was a jazz musician, but he's reading this book by, you know, Yoga, a Yogananda, famous yeah. book by a, a yogi. Right. And and that together kind of inspired some music and creativity and and good manners and good yeah. living. All of those things, you know, I mean, and a way of living outside the box. Because obviously, there wasn't a wasn't an American religion book he was giving you. It, it, it's a, it's a combination of things, you know. My mother was extremely creative, but she's creative with her language. And it's just, I think, for my, my parents just to be engaged. Right? My father was always struggling. He never really made money. Uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't his value system. Well, my mama complained about money a lot. And when my father said he was going to stop playing music, she said, no, no, you should keep playing music. We just will struggle with you. You couldn't understand all of the things that went on. But, uh, you know, my mother was also extremely creative with, with how she would cook food, how she would talk stories. She would tell always creativity. And I, I think that it's, it's just a matter of, we all have it, it's a matter of us being given confidence in expressing it. And so that's what I always wonder, like if somebody's been, I mean, you've been, grew up in such a creative household, you were encouraged to, to study all of these things. You were, you were in the New Orleans Philharmonic at, at age 14. Um, what, again, what if somebody's, you know, halfway through their life and they're like, you know what? I want, I want that jazz in my life. I want the jazz of life. What would you, I, I know you say, find what's inside of yourself, but, but they don't even know where to start. Do it. Start where you are. It's always best to start where you are. That's okay. always the best place to start. Start with you. You know, if you see something you don't like, start with you. If you see something you love, start with you. If you want to help somebody, start with yourself. Mm. Then you can help the next person. Always start in yourself. You want to read books, read books. Get a book and read it. I always like to like to say, why did somebody do something? Because. Because there's a great reason to do stuff. You know, because my, my great uncle taught me, he was born in 1883. He always talked about the Robert Charles riots in New Orleans. A guy just got tired of being messed with. And he created a riot. He killed some policemen. He did this. It created a great, a great ruckus. It, it actually changed the culture of the city around the turn of the century. My, my uncle remembers that. He would talk about it. And he would say, why did he do it? Because I love that because there doesn't have to be a fin an end to there doesn't have to be a reason. Reasons are sort of artificial. No, yeah, if you want to do it, you know. Now I'm not saying kill people, but what I'm saying, I'm just showing that as, a, as something that was a stretch for a person who had been so disenfranchised and and abused so many ways that as he was he was insulted on that one day and it was enough for him. He just sacrificed his life for it. So I, I know my mother always liked a moment from a. 
Frederick Douglass book, Narrative Life of Slave, Frederick Douglass, he, uh, where, where's a slave named Dimby was in a pool and the overseer told him, get out of this pool and he refused to do it. And he drew a pistol and said, get out or I'm going to shoot you. And he, and he did shoot him and killed him. And Frederick Douglass said, wow, I was horrified by the guy just shot him in cold blood. And, and I always would tell my mom, I don't see the guy just let somebody shoot him. She said, that's my favorite character. Why would that guy be the favorite character? He didn't do anything. He just got shot. She said, he made a choice. He chose that it was better to be not alive than to be living dead. And that was his choice. He took his life into his own hands. He recognized his situation. Still, it's still a stretch for me, but that, that's what she, she thought. And it was about choice. You know, it was about choice. He just said, okay, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not getting out. I'm tired of doing this. Like I, this but is not the thing I want to do. Everybody justifies their existence to avoid making choices. So they, they rationalize their decisions and they feel like I can't, I can't do what, what he's saying. I've got a mortgage. I've got... Yeah, and they're, they're right. Mm. My father couldn't do what he wanted to do. What he wanted he, to do? Well, he didn't want to make sixteen or $17,000 a year with six kids. Mm. No telling what he wanted to do. But, he, you know, you, we have responsibilities. That's what being an adult is. You know, we would love to just be able to paint any canvas on whatever, but we have to find the reality that we want in the context of what we have to do. There are things that we must do. And that's part of being grown. What do you think the percentage is in terms of in terms of how we spend our day between what we must do and maybe if we can guide it towards things we want to do? I, I think the, the the older we are and the more responsibilities we have, the larger that percentage of must is. Hmm. That's just a fact. And, and do you feel that? Like, do you feel... Yes. What's feel there something that you want to do that you have a hard time doing right now? Man, I can't even... I mean, I, I, can't, I can't even go into it because for me... You know, I could go back to when I was 12 or 13. I practiced five or six hours every day. Hey, I like to be outside. I play video games. I like to go to the gym and play ball and clown with my friends. I didn't do it. I like to go to parties. There are many things I would like to do. And, but I, I, it doesn't even matter what I would, would like to do because there are many other people who are in so many, so much worse situation. I was blessed in an unbelievable way to get out of New Orleans to be able to play gigs, to be able to be accepted playing music. I saw my father scratch and, 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 and struggle with the music my entire time there. When I said I wanted to play jazz, I accepted that I would live like him. And, and it was ever, a struggle for him, you know. So just to see a guy play in a room who could play for two people, one person, for years, and left an imprint on me that never goes away. Even at, at the age with all the success that I've had, I still can remember seeing my father, you know, for the, for the 15th year, playing in a club for two people, one person, and, and asking him, man, why do you do this? How can you enjoy doing something that nobody, people don't get anything from? There's no people in here. And he was like, I enjoy it. Mm. You know, my brother and I played in the funk band in high school. Man, we, our gigs would be packed with people, 1,500 people, 1,200 people, 1,000 people playing dance music. We, we could barely play. He could play. Mm. It was just part of, it's part of how, how things are. So... You know, for me, I'm I'm so grateful. I, I would I wouldn't use myself as as an example, though. Of course, there's no there's no nobody gets the, the more you the more you get, the more you you give. You have to be be willing to sacrifice. To and pay. what have you sacrificed? <laughs> Man, time, seeing my family work. I've, I've worked my my life, my adult life. I've just worked, study. I get up in the morning. I work on stuff. And you're still yeah, studying every day. That's what I do. Well, what's the next thing you want to learn that you morning. feel is a little bit beyond you at this point? Um, man, I've been, I've been studying minstrel shows and I've been studying, uh, I was up this morning studying it. 
looking at films, studying. Uh, looking at films. Films, yeah, looking at it, kind of videos and stuff and seeing what people had to say about it, reading about it. I've been just trying to, trying to, trying to understand. There's, there's never an end of what you can study and, and learn about. So, but it's not. It's not that I'm saying studying is a drag, but uh, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I've never been given too much frivolity. You know, it's just not. Was was not in my personality that much, and and uh, I was blessed to not be that materialistic. Like, I could have stuff and and okay, but my my success, kind of the acceptance of my music and 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 who I am was so much greater than I ever thought, and the struggle for me was so much less than it was for my father. That uh, I, I, for me to have any posture that's not just absolute gratitude would be. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. It'd be ridiculous, actually. So, and again, gratitude plus good manners with persistent optimism is the blues. Blues, it's blues a beautiful aesthetic. way to look yeah, at it. Recognition of what is too. So I wanna um, I wanna mention your your album. We're gonna release this on the day your, this album comes out. It's a new one, United We Swing, Best of the Jazz at Lincoln Center Galas, and this is by the Winton Marsalis Septet. Uh, hey, can you take a picture? We're gonna this this is coming out March twenty third. You're also touring around uh, all of twenty eighteen, working working hard. Yeah. And I was just listening to you rehearsing the um, nursery school rhymes to, <laughs> right. to jazz renditions. Again, it's this great idea of combining the old and the new, right? And and improvising along with it. Um, right. And it's just it's just beautiful the way jazz interweaves among creativity in in all society. Yeah, we believe in that. You know, if you think of a person when you once you get in this middle age, you think about a, a typical conversation you have with a colleague your age. You sit down and you start to talk. You talk about heroes y'all both had. Who's died in your family? If it's your mother, your father, your grandfather, what you did, what you're doing to take care of whatever arrangements you have to, how your kids are doing, what they're doing, how is your relationship with your wife or your husband, and what are your grandkids doing? What students do you have? So you cover the entire gamut of people you know from the elderly to kids, to newborns, the grandkids. And you don't think, not one time in the conversation do you identify the group that you're talking about. Oh, let me talk about some old people in my family. Let me talk about some younger people. Let me talk about something new. You live in the totality of your human experience, which is not segregated by age. It's not segregated by race. It's not segregated by anything except how I feel about these different things. And they don't have to be translated when you're talking to a friend of yours or a colleague. You understand what they're saying. So so with, with that, and this is the last question, I want to respect your time, but you've, you grew up in a musical family, you were talented at an early age. You developed skills to, to support that talent. You've been a musician all your life. Uh, any regrets in that path? Um, no, I don't, I, you know, it's, it's, it's always things you could do that you could have done differently uh, in terms of how you deal with yourself from a personal standpoint. Levels of personal integrity and discipline that I could have been more disciplined, more exhibit more personal integrity. But, Hey, I, I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't a clergyman, so. I mean, we, all, we all have it. Yeah, you got to take, you got to take your, take, take what life, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not ever going to complain. I, I saw too much of people really, what the struggle was, and it never turned around for kind of older people in my family who died. So no, I don't, I don't regret anything. I'm grateful. And that's why taking the struggle and applying good manners plus right. persistent optimism. Right. It's the, it's the blues. And I know it's the people who struggled the hardest were the nicest people. Mm. 
My great aunt, my grandma, they struggled their entire life. Grew up on plantations, was very, but they were some of the humblest, sweetest people. Took up very little space, but had deep humanity. So the older I get, the more I strive to be something they would be proud of. Well, Winton Marsalis, thank you so much. This has been such an honor having you on the podcast. United We Swing, best of the jazz at Lincoln Center Galas. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. It's a yeah. pleasure. seen all the video call fails by now the mute button mishaps the cat cameos people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off but none of this makes fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy bitsy baby duck how do i turn that thing off it's too late fred it's too late when you realize it's better to do business in person it matters where you stay welcome to the hilton garden and fred the meeting room is right down the hall hilton for the stay